I witnessed an attack on American decency this weekend, and sadly, there was a child leading the charge. I was attending an elementary school event called the Backyard Barbecue, where my oldest daughter's chorus was to perform for the last time with her in it. And sadly, I missed it because I was too busy taking my lumps in Little League Baseball. But my middle son and I got there as soon as we could, just in time to enjoy a pulled pork sandwich and see my littlest daughter wearing an American Dreamer shirt, waiting in line to bounce on a bounce house. Now, that was a different type of terror indeed. But while she stood there, shoeless, waiting, all of a sudden... She was pelted by a water balloon. I immediately looked in the direction whence the balloon came, and what I found was three generations of a family sitting under a sunshade. The youngest lad had thrown the water balloon, and the other two generations of men, one about my age and another old man in a Make America Great hat, well, they just looked on and laughed until the dad did apologize, but the old man, he did nothing. He just sat there so stoically staring at my youngest daughter crying, pelted, soaking wet, only because she dared America to dream. You know, I just wanted to keep her safe. I didn't start any political warfare because really, I don't care either way. I just thought the irony was hilarious. Today, though, I want to talk about true crime, terror cells, and town cars as we start the ignition on another episode of Joshin' Around. There were a lot of families I knew at the Backyard Barbecue, but I didn't start too many conversations. Typically, I just wave and smile. Outside of this show, I really don't open up that much. Get me in a Google search bar, though, and I'll say anything. We don't often talk about true crime, quite frankly, because I'm put off by the subject matter. That said, I have picked up on some things with the apprehension of the Golden Gate serial killer. Seemingly that this was a man that was out of the view of law enforcement for years. It looked like he was thumbing his nose at them in a catch-me-if-you-can sort of vein. But how did they catch him, you ask? Using DNA from Ancestry websites. And it seems that when our family members use these websites, they're selling us out to any law enforcement out there. In fact, they're giving away our DNA with less rights than convicted criminals have if their DNA is housed in an actual government database. So just something to think about, family members. Looking at you, Uncle Bob. I used to have a friend brag about how he'd never been fingerprinted for anything, let alone arrested, which made him the perfect criminal because he could go into places and even if he left his prints all over, there'd be no database to track him in. Well, I guess maybe that's true unless his cousin Josh had sent in some of the family DNA to Ancestry.com. Net neutrality is dead, let's never speak of it again. There's an ad pre-rolled before every video on YouTube, our personal data's everywhere, and nearly every site's erecting a paywall at its borders. Bye-bye, Web 3.0. Of course, these allegations come from the host of a fake internet radio show that's produced on a free podcasting platform. Though I haven't read those terms and conditions, so for all I know, they could be repurposing my data and information. Unbeknownst to me, I could have the number one morning show in Prague yet see nothing in return, only because I clicked agree and then I played with those shiny bells and whistles. Back in 2003, I went to shop for my first car, or I should say the first car that wasn't just being given to me. 
I looked in a lot of places, so I thought I was satisfied with what was to be my final decision. A 2000 Lincoln Town Car that was burgundy in color with a gold soft top. This car drove like a boat, which is to say it drove like a dream. Being born retired, I was weaned on these Cadillacs and Grand Marquis. In fact, my grandfather drove them all, always with a roll of paper towels in the back seat and National Public Radio on the dial at the lowest audible volume. So I thought, maybe that is the perfect car for me. Just as I was about to buy it, though, a friend of mine reached out and said, Josh, no, you're not a town car type of guy. I said, no. He said, no. So I didn't buy that car. Instead, found a 1998 BMW 328i that I grew to love immediately. So instead of being a 20-something in Sansabelt slacks, I became the second coming of Gordon Gecko. They had a party in school today, and the goodie bags had whistles, temporary tattoos, and bubbles. <laughs> Thanks to that parent. While we did talk a little about the terror attack on Toronto that's being linked to the incel revolution, this is not a news show, so I don't really want to dwell on it, but I did a lot of reading on the subject over the weekend. It's terrifying, and I wish it was fiction and not fact. That said, I saw one point made that said romantic comedies often employ a plot that shows an unwitting male trying to win a female that might be out of his league, but the movie shows that he deserves to win her romantic affection because he loves her so much. And the message in all these articles about the incel revolution is, no, she does not need to love you, and you do not deserve her affection. In fact, the point has been made on several forums that what if romantic comedies were made from the point of view of the female? And if so, then it would be a hashtag MeToo stalker film. Before he decided to take that final turn from convention and really put the TQ into LGBTQ, my dad might have been a John Cusack-like say-anything type stalker. And sadly, it happened at a Walgreens of all places. Yeah, he ended up developing a crush on a girl that worked at the Walgreens. She wore the vest, stocking the shelves and cashing people out. And I guess over time, dad really started to get feelings for her. So he would go into the store and express his affection by buying her cards and gifts and candy that he bought there at the Walgreens that he would give to this woman at the Walgreens. And it escalated slowly over time to where she would take the gifts and then she'd say, no, no, sir, I shouldn't. Until finally, the manager said, sir, you don't have to stop shopping at Walgreens, but you can't shop at this location anymore. That location, by the way, was at the corner of unhappy and not healthy. You'd think the internet and online dating would fix all this unhappy loneliness, but instead I think it's just made disappointment quicker yet less direct. Of course, what do I know? I'm happily married. It's kids that are driving me to atrocities. Of course I'm just joking. While kids and other realities might make it difficult for me to produce a fake internet radio show, I don't hate them for it. I'll tell you who I do hate though, and that's the person Spotify thinks I've become. My Discover Weekly was fresh today, and on it they selected just for me a house cover of Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It, followed by a bro country ballad. How embarrassing. Unlike everybody else in the world, my playlist didn't even have any Avicii songs on it, and that just goes to show how unhip I am. I knew nothing about Avicii. I had never heard his music unless it came on while I was in a Ross dress for less. In fact, I wouldn't even know how to pronounce his name if it wasn't for that Mike Posner song about doing ecstasy in Ibiza. For the longest time, I thought Avicii's name was just a bunch of Roman numerals. Back to that friend with no fingerprints. 
At one point in time, to find out what a ghost he was on the law enforcement level, he reached out to the FBI to request his file, which apparently is something we can all do. There wasn't much in it at the time, but as I told him, there is now. (laughs) They finally did end up getting his fingerprints on file, though, before he was able to plot that perfect crime. Not sure if he ever caught a conviction, but he did end up stabbing another mutual acquaintance who allegedly had it coming. My wife asked me, what was the fight over? I said, I don't know. She said, surely you know why he stabbed him. I said, well, I'll tell you why he stabbed him. People with knives were drinking. With that in mind, it's time to sheath this episode so we can all start to safely imbibe. Here's to hoping there's no moles in the family trying to sell your secrets to Ancestry.com. Make certain to have full consent before holding a Bluetooth speaker below anyone's window. As I whistle for a town car, be sure to sound the alarm if any of us start to doze off on the American dream, and I'll see you when we all wake up and take another stab at Josh and Around.